Welcome to Equipped, a podcast by Connection Church. Equipped is a conversation about multiplying gospel community and fueling spiritual growth. We have one clear goal, to equip leaders to multiply. We want to help people follow Jesus, make disciples, lead small groups, and plant churches. My name is Jordan Thigpen, and I'm joined today by Buck Benton, and we'll be leading you through today's Equipped conversation. Let's get equipped. Buck, man, thanks so much for being here with me today to, to, to do this, to talk through a few things. Um, first and foremost, um, what's really probably relevant for, for our folks and uh, the thing I, I think I want everybody to understand for, for me is that Buck was leading the small group where I came to faith in Christ. And so um, that means the world to me. Um, he has been a friend and uh, a huge encouragement and, and mentor to me through a lot of different things, but also a lot of shared laughs, a lot of good food, a lot yes. of good times. Um, and so, um, yeah, man. So thank you so much for making time to do this. I know this was a long drive um, to come and do this. Uh, but this weekend we are doing the Connection Church Elder uh, Retreat Conference. Don't really know um, exactly what to call it, but all of the elders from all the different Connection Churches are making their way this this way, including your elders, and yeah. so are going to be joining uh, all, all eight of our churches. And so really excited. I'm, I'm excited for all the people that are going to be here. Uh, and I know you had to make the drive separately, so thank you so much for, for making the time to do that. Man, I am fired up to be on the Equip podcast, and man, I just, it's funny, we've shared a lot of Shane's Rib Shack, chicken mm. fingers together, and a lot of buff fun. A lot of buff cue. <laughs> I used to tell people, if I'm not at Shane's at 12 on Wednesday, you need to come looking for yeah, me somewhere. we need to figure out where you are. Yeah, yeah, no, man, well, I just want to say thank you for having me on, and I've enjoyed the podcast. I know it is, um, God's using it in big ways, and man, I just thank you for having me on. Thank you for your friendship, and man, the minute since uh yeah god's just kind of brought us all back to do this network thing it's just been so fun to watch um really those early friendships mm. kind of materialize into uh doing ministry in really good community and mm. man your experience and who you've gotten to work with and what you've really brought to the network is a joy but selfishly just having uh rekindling that friendship right. is really fun yeah. so it makes the network meetings fun and so um, man, I'm just thankful for you, and I'm glad to be on the show today. Man, that's really kind of you to say. Yeah, that's the. I mean, that that is what makes the network the most fun. Is yeah. the 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 once a month the meals at Dolan's, the spending time together. Uh, a lot. I mean, all kind of different things, but um, the 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 friendships. Like, I, so in this kind of this will kind of get us into sort of maybe the story of uh, your story, my story. Um, our relationship uh, and connection church and all the different stuff. But uh, I do want to say uh, for our audience, many of you already are, but if you're, if you're not, you need to go listen to the authentic discipleship podcast uh, that Buck is hosting and, and putting out incredible content. Um, again, there's so many things that in life Buck has gone before me and paved the way for me, but his podcast gave me confidence to want to do a podcast and to see the value of it. And I, 
I mean, it is basically uh, my rehearsal for this stuff to, <laughs> to get my thoughts going about multiplication. So uh, definitely go over and check out the Authentic Discipleship podcast and uh, and give it a, a follow and and hit like and and subscribe and all the different things to support his work there. Leave a good review. Um, but yeah, so um, so backing up again, getting sort of into the conversation. Uh, there is, I was thinking about our conversation today and there was a, so my, my memories, this is the way my memory goes, is uh, we're in high school, you're a senior, uh, freshman for me? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I'll never forget the one of my last high school memories of Buck, because this is the spring, right? Baseball's yeah. in the spring, is, uh, dang, coach, we're not a track team. That's enough. <laughs> Uh, raising your voice at our baseball coach uh, oh. and saying that's enough, like that gummit. We're no more poles, no more nothing. And uh, and then, you know, I, you know, am a absolute degenerate for two years, or well, I mean, throughout high school, but yep. then college. So then, um, you know, I, I, my memories are two time state champ wrestler. You're going off for a scholarship to go wrestle, mm-hmm. and but then the way you pop back up in my life is all right. Now we're back in FCA, yeah. and yeah. you know you were you were involved in FCA with the uh, was the little buzz the yep. buzz award that they would give somebody for something. Yep. Uh, yep. Remember Logan Lawless leading us through that. Yep. And then, um, but then now you're back in my life um, at this FCA thing. That's how I meet Billy. Uh, is honestly through this mix of now Tombs County people and Vidalia people, and uh, now you're leading a small group. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what you've told me, there's a lot that happens in between there. So uh, fill us in on sort of your background and your story and um, how we get to graduating college from the same hometown. Now, uh, we've talked about this before, a lot of, a lot of folks from our like – yeah graduating classes and everything in between are in ministry. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, what are the, fill in some of those blanks there that I left out. Yeah, no. And I think it's hilarious. I hadn't thought about that day. I said a pretty bad example <laughs> as a senior telling, trying to tell the coach like, no, well, how he needed to coach. Stand up so. to the man. <laughs> no, great memories. Yeah. And it is interesting thinking back of, um, yeah, God was doing a lot of good things in lines and Vidalia and something that I think is really cool. Just in a moment of, you know, God says to to honor honor your leaders and those that have poured into your life. And so, man, even before you and I came to know the Lord, I think the spiritual covering, Danny Williams, and mm-hmm. just a a guy who modeled kingdom life. And you know, yeah. just shout out to him. I know he just retired from an incredible run as a pastor and just a great leader, shepherd, model, example. And uh, you know, he always showed up at these unique times in my life to mm-hmm. give this word of wisdom and um, anyway just thankful for him but yeah no my story and and I've shared this um, a lot with my church and uh, you know I grew up knowing about Jesus and I think there's just a big difference between um, saying I know Jesus and saying I know Jesus lives in me Mm. and that's a lot of the story is um, growing up and you know Good First Baptist family, you know, doing all the all the things, all the right things, and um, and again, man, I had some incredible people shepherding my life, you know, incredible pastors, and 
and you know, you know, you you graduate, you go off to college, and and funny, I tell the the church all the time, like I went to a Southern Baptist college, a little bit bigger than a high school, about <laughs> nine hundred to a thousand people on campus, mm, and I didn't you know, it was that small. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was small, but um, so you know, you you're in college there, and that's really where when you get away from, you know, kind of where everyone knows you and you get away from really uh, lesser, I guess, lesser affections for God of, and what I mean by that is, you know, you're not there to really prove yourself to anyone or to meet the approval of your parents. And mm. and it was really there that uh, that I just began to live away from God, you know, and, mm. um, and so uh, live a life that was not honoring to Him. And and I began to realize that, man, at a soul level, you know, I don't really desire Jesus. And um, so, so lived two years there, and uh, you know, um, it was just a, a time where I was really doing the college thing and uh, you know, getting in the stuff that I knew I didn't need to get into. Well, you know, moving back to Georgia Southern, um, in my head, it's like, man, now I'm I'm not even at this small. Southern Baptist school, like I can really get into some stuff, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm about to really get into <laughs> some college things. And, um, and, and again, you know, I, I think authenticity is so important in sharing this story of if anybody would have asked me if I was a Christian, I'd have said, yeah, like I grew up in church and, you know, did the thing. I'm a pretty good guy. Like, you know, I know, I know who Jesus is and really that, that that life changing work was it was really twofold of man childhood memory uh, Daniel Neesmith beginning to pour in the brine that summer mm-hmm. my my brother Brian I don't know if you know his story um, but yeah I mean my my brother begins to meet with his high school friend they go through a Bible study and I was invited I just didn't go. <laughs> That's awesome. I had no idea. I had no idea. So, so my younger brother uh, is listening to this gospel message, this Romans one message from David Platt. Like he comes out of conviction of the Holy Spirit and drives all the way to Athens from Lyons and is like, "Hey, you got to help me." And he he just gives his life to Jesus. Mm. I mean, just flat out. I'll never forget it. We, me and Billy were. Heck, you might have been on that team. We were pegging people with dodgeballs, and I got done, and I had a voicemail. And it's, so it's my younger brother who who grew up just like me, mm-hmm. and, and I have a voicemail that says, hey, um, I just want you to know I gave my life to Jesus, and I wow. felt like you needed to know. Mm. And so this, this kind of seed starts of like, all right, well, all right, I've got to deal with that. What does that mean? And really coupled with that, was moving to Georgia Southern and moving in with Billy. And I know you guys, and I told you before we got on, just had an incredible conversation. And man, if you haven't listened to that episode, um, just so much gold in that, in that, mm. in that episode. But moving in with him and really seeing someone model an authentic relationship with Jesus for me, um, really those two things were the determining factor of, all right, mm. well, let me assess my heart and like, what do I really believe about Jesus? And what does it look like to have a relationship with Jesus? And so, man, like there's some people that are saved in a moment, like this, this catalytic message or this sermon and really 
over the course of a of a semester, God just began to slowly draw me into Himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think about it like a um, like a lasso, like a rope. Of mm-hmm. He used these instances to to draw me into Himself. And man, like picking up where you come in and mm-hmm. this small group, which I think is hilarious. I think I've been saved about ten minutes um, <laughs> when, when all this starts. You know, a Billy. Uh, really models this relationship for me, takes me to passion, and and mm-hmm. like he's bringing me along and all this stuff he's doing, and I finally realized like what it looks like to have a real relationship with Jesus, and like right away, hey, let's do a Bible study in our trailer, yeah. and I want you to lead it, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, man, yeah, so that's that's really the story of yeah. of where we come and how I met the Lord and. Yeah, how you and I end up in a trailer at Georgia Southern University opening a Bible together. It's so interesting. Daniel's is a footnote doesn't do it justice. He's like the he's like the um like the the prequel to my time at Georgia Southern because in high school he invited me to mm. to come in like let's read the Bible together like and what I what I remember I didn't find out until later. He fasted for my salvation. Wow. He spent yep. a week fasting specifically mm-hmm. for me. He did that for Brian. He did that for me. He did that for um, a couple of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, and this the the quiet, mm-hmm. you know, non flashy, non public ministry of a guy that genuinely believes Jesus can save. Man, well, what a. What a week well spent, right? You know, this this podcast is all about multiplication. And it's a college student that just took it serious and said, man, I High think school it, student. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. He wasn't even in college yet. Mm-hmm. So he said, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna live faithfully where I am and <laughs> try and tell some people about Jesus. So and, how and cool it, was that? It took, a, it took a while but for, to, for it to take hold for me. But, I mean, uh, he never gave up on me. Mm-hmm. And the community of folks that we grew up with, um, and it's always, it was always, you know, I'm going to try to say this without getting teary eyed, but um, Tombs County welcomed me mm-hmm. and they didn't have to. Mm-hmm. I was, my parents divorced when I was 12. So I finished up eighth grade in Montgomery County, but then I transferred in to Tombs County. And I mean, this is a strong friend group of athletes yeah. Yeah. that, I mean, these are all of the same guys that yeah. make good grades are the best athletes. Mm-hmm. They all live relatively, or at some point in time, grew up living in a similar neighborhood and running around doing stuff, and they did not have to welcome me in. And I think my saving grace, pun intended, was that uh, I looked 21 from the time I was 15, and I could buy beer at a young age. <laughs> got you, got you in. <laughs> got, so when they got interested uh, in that, I had already been. You were in. I, so, but <laughs> then when uh, spiritually, though, the 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 care and the encouragement and the love, um, you know, Daniel and Brian, a huge part of that. And so, um, yeah. So, but then, okay. So fast forward. Now we get to. Um, so when, when me and Billy talked, you know, it was kind of hearing about his first small group, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. what was that like for you as far as you come to Southern, Mm -hmm. your brother gets saved, you start taking your faith seriously over the course of a summer. Uh, how do you, one, I, you know, go whichever way you want to go. How do you start taking Jesus seriously? And Mm -hmm. obviously, 
you've always you've always had leadership chops. I mean, I bring up the thing about you yelling at our baseball coach because you were leading us into <laughs> oh, poor poor leadership. <laughs> Still leading, 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 and, but poorly. Uh, and then, like you know, you're obviously already in spiritual leadership in some capacity and shepherding mm-hmm. a small group. Uh, how did you get into that, and how did you make your way into the connection world? Man, yeah. So, yeah, Billy just has this way. He, uh, you know, obviously he put this on my on my plate of, hey, I want you to do this, and you know, I, I to be honest, I didn't know what I was doing, and I love, man, I I love sharing and talking authentic just discipleship real life because I think it's a and I say it in my podcast it's a needed conversation mm-hmm. so I was 20-ish at this time and I honest to goodness didn't know how to read the Bible mm-hmm. and I know that's embarrassing grew up in church and like but I had never opened it for myself and read it to understand it and hear from God right so you know when he's like hey I want you to lead this group of guys and you know man like we're in this trailer half of them are sitting Indian style like it's just it's just these college guys. and Yeah, because it, it's packed. Like, all the chairs are taken. And yeah. Well, it. you know, it was cool over that semester. I learned so much um, because it did grow to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that I remember is I would pray to God before everybody got here, and I said, God, if you don't show up, <laughs> this isn't going to go well. Yeah. And, man, like, there's a lot of power in that. And I think my fear is, and for many of us and myself, Lord, don't let me ever lose that posture. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about spiritual leadership, I think it starts with surrender mm-hmm. um, and starts with a neediness for God. And God seems to really want to operate in those spaces. So, you know, we we just, I mean, there was no, I think about, you know, right now media and all it was, and you'll remember, hey, turn to Romans chapter one. Let's start reading. Mm-hmm. What do y'all think this means? Mm-hmm. And that was really it. And so this thing starts happening where the Bible's open. There's guys that are curious. We start reading it and things start happening. Mm-hmm. And man, I, I tell people all the time, like, if you can get to the place where there's some hunger for God and his word and you can get people to get that Bible open, God, God's ready to meet in that space. Mm-hmm. You know, you've gone a lot of the way of, like you're you're in a place where God could really do some mm-hmm. things that'll blow you away, and and so, you know, I remember you're one of maybe there was eight people when we started. By the end of the semester, they were everywhere. Yeah, just people that were curious about yeah. God, curious about the Word, and and you know, I tell people all the time, like, yeah, there were pastors came out of that place, and mm-hmm. dude, we were. I remember some of the stuff we were talking about, like. We were not that. We yeah. were like as far the other way, yeah. more of just curious and just trying to figure it out. Yeah. And, you know, God just did something really special. So when I say leadership, man, like I was doing something that I was totally, I mean, I loved hitting baseball. I loved taking people down and wrestling, but I had no clue how to lead a Bible study. Mm. Um, but man, like I put my yes on the table and that was all God needed. You put your yes on the table, but it was also we were in an environment where <laughs> it wasn't odd to to step out and try something, mm-hmm. and also people put us on the field to try to make plays before we were ready, really. Yeah, yep. and it just became sort of, and it, it it's not. I mean, and it, I mean, there's one part where you know Billy and and also. Further along, Brandon and other folks yep. within Connection just had good instincts about that kind of thing. But yep. that even the instincts doesn't really do it justice. It just is what we were doing. Yep. You know, like yep. 
Some somebody's got to lead this Bible study. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to like. There's people that are hungry and curious and interested, and somebody's got to facilitate the conversation. And it was interesting. I was on a a, a, a consulting call with the discipleship guy, uh, small groups guy at Church of Eleven Twenty Two, and yeah, where I was just you know talking shop with him about small groups, and he said. Their like identification process and the way that they try to get guys in basically is, are you a Christian? Can you articulate the gospel to me? Do you love people? Love it. And that's kind of it. That's and it. they said, if you if we've got those three things, yep. if we can identify those three things, we can train them and give them a play to run because our their model is to facilitate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I, when he said that, I, I was like, man, that that feels like the early days, you know, yes. of connection and and. Um, probably a lot of what I need to, I would like to lead us back to. You yes, know? and so wouldn't, and it's not because it's it's not encouraged or that that's not enough. It's just um, that excitement. There was something that mm-hmm. you know that God was just really doing, and you you know that that even for my like for my small group leaders, like eight people's a good solid group. Yeah, and then it then it about doubled. Yeah. Um, who are some names you remember from that group? Man, there was a dude. He could play golf. His name was Logan. Logan Blondell. You remember Blondell. that guy? Logan I do remember Logan. That dude could. He really could, good he golfer. He was a pin seeker. Yeah. yeah. Um, really good guy. Oh, your your buddy. We were talking about him that network meeting. you still in contact with him. Adam Beckstein. Adam Beckstein. That's my boy. Adam Beckstein was in the house. Um, man, there were, there were just was so, Jake Ware in that group? Jake Ware was, yeah, man, we were... Yeah, Jake Ware, we played a lot of intramural football with Jake, you remember? Oh, yeah. Uh, Those were a Ware. lot of teams I wasn't good enough to play on. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, there was just some guys, some Well, some I just guys. mean, like, Logan was on the Georgia Southern golf team. Mm-hmm. Jake was a Georgia Southern baseball player. Well, man, like, FCA just was such a great ministry of... It was a place to go during the week, and a lot of those guys like, and I wasn't a college. I was intramural, you know, intramural guy intramural was not legend. like my days were done. You know, uh, my my college athletics days were done. But man, uh, you know, talking about fitting in with people that are a little bit right. like that—that that was just a great place to come and belong. Mm-hmm. But man, like we hang out, we eat, we queue up a really good message on Wednesday night. We talk about the Bible, and I look back, man, and that was so formative for me. And you know. With small group and leadership, all the things we're talking about multiplying, man, like just having a, a, a really welcoming environment like goes a long way. Mm. And people want to belong. Um, I mean, that's like that was that's the thing that you really can't quantify in ministry that's hard to explain is something about the value of normal. Gosh, yeah. Um, but and like that's obviously a subjective thing, but yeah. normal in the sense that it you make people feel comfortable like they can be there and not yeah not like there's this vast gap between who's in and who's out as far as welcome um and so all right so you obviously now you've planted a church um a pastor of connection church dublin um got some guys that you're raising up potentially to plant but this is another thing that deserves recognition and honor you are the first granddaughter church of mm-hmm. the Connection Network yep. family of churches. So yeah. you're the first. That's a huge. If we were talking about like the nature of ministry and the, the world of church planting, um, granddaughter churches are rare. And a lot of times they're unintentional mm-hmm. if you think about the worlds of church splits and all the different stuff. But this was, you know, 
Connection Statesboro plants Connection Vidalia, Connection Vidalia plants out Connection Dublin. Um, And, you know, there's campus phases all kind of mixed up in there, but there was a leadership development process that Mm -hmm. happened at at some level that – and then there's another powerful part of that of you weren't always a church planner. And so connect the dots for us between you're you're leading that small group, uh, you're – Going to school, winning intramural championships, yeah. uh, destroying people in one pitch softball tournaments <laughs> on Friday nights. Yeah. Uh, you graduate, yeah. and what's next? What's what you got cooking? Yeah. So, yeah. And first of all, like talking about before we, you know, kind of go back, I wanted to say talking about honor and multiplication. You know, Billy, you know, has had such a huge impact in my life, and and he can be kind of the the guru of discipleship, you know, that's just what he, he bleeds it. He loves mm-hmm. it. Um, and so, man, he, he taught me so much, but also, you know, Brandon, such a catalytic apostolic, like dude just saw a vision that God had given him and has just done great things, man. Talking about multiplication, he gave me a table to sit at and to learn how to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. And there's so many guys that are called that don't have that. Mm-hmm. And the more I'm in ministry and meet other pastors, the more I learn that. And so in talking about multiplication, like those two guys just giving me a seat at their tables, man, I'll, I'll go the rest of my life being thankful for that. Yeah, that, same. That they, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, um, but want to share that. But yeah, how I got there, I had no desire for ministry at all. Um, you know, both my, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I got the invitation to that table and then I flipped the table over and it was a giant <laughs> turd. <laughs> and luckily they still had patience to welcome oh. me back at some point and uh they're you know i'm i'm grateful for man, I'm, same story i'm mean, so grateful for brandon and for billy too yeah man it, for me i got invited and i stayed up till like midnight studying it was like a sermon prep meeting and yeah. like i stayed up till midnight studying the passage and they, <laughs> I, I like i knew it inside and out yeah. just wanted to be ready it was just uh anyway so yeah, no, no desire for ministry whatsoever. You know, both my parents are, are teachers, you know, my mom and dad. So they, you know, they've been in education 35 plus 40 years. So the best for, for me, yeah, man, like for me, that's just all I really had ambition for was I'll teach and coach and I love sports. I mean, you know that I am a hyper competitive dude. And so, yeah, I start out teaching and coaching, you know, coaching three sports and, and Carly and I, you know, we moved to Dublin, and, and really that's a cool story of, you know, I had job opportunities at Toons where we're from would have been kind of the more comfortable move. But mm-hmm. after I got saved, man, I really got into prayer and fasting and seeking the will of God. And, and like so that was early on. I didn't know nothing from nothing. But, <laughs> you know, I got a job interview at West Lawrence High School, didn't know anybody. Her and I had no clue. And, man, like when I went to that interview – the, the peace of God that Philippians 4 surpasses understanding peace like just settled over me and I knew before I interviewed that God wanted me there and mm. I didn't know what that meant at that time but it was super clear so I want to can I can I poke around on that because yeah, I'm sure. thinking about guys I've, I've had the great fortune here at Connection Statesboro to have a lot of conversations with guys that express that mm-hmm. phrase that we love mm-hmm. so much I feel called to ministry yeah um, and then, but they're managing the tension of the career that they have, the family, the responsibilities, the need to provide. Um, there's part of it that you didn't necessarily share, 
that I want to make I want to make sure our audience understands is that uh, Tombs County Wrestling is an institution. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is a we're, that is a tiny, you know, it's not some elite school. It's yeah. it's got a good, but it's got a an, an elite wrestling program. Yeah, and um, I mean. Buck's brother Brian, four-time state champ wrestler, our starting running back in high school, and my graduating class of '09, yeah. three-time state champ wrestler. Buck, two-time state champ wrestler. I mean, so many guys. And yeah. Buck gets the chance after college to go back, and he's inheriting. Your dad was the wrestling coach, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he he and uh, Coach Hill obviously Co- like. Hill, I right. mean, a duo did really great for a long time, and and um, when they had stepped back. Tra- I think Travis Ellington. You remember Coach oh, Coach T, man, Big oh, T. Oh my gosh, Big T was uh, coaching, and um, I, I think that's right. Somewhere in there, yeah. I think I, I know he was there the year before I got back there. Right. So he came my senior year. Okay. With Coach Williams from yep. Swainsboro, and Coach Williamson, and um, and they were they. I mean, Coach Ellington's hilarious, but yeah, wrestling. So, so you get you make your way back. You have. The the head job, right? Yeah. Well, at see at West, that was the thing is and I could have been the head, yeah, at Tombs at that time. So at West it was an assistant coaching position. But man, like that's just where I was supposed to be. And wrestling was my foot in the door too. Like the 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 principal at the time, he was the old wrestling coach when I wrestled. So no doubt, like there's some man, this guy could help our wrestling program. That was kind of my foot in the door, but Man, like when people talk about being called the ministry, you know, first I think for a disciple of Christ is learning to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I didn't know what that meant, but I knew like we need to live there. And we didn't know anyone. And I think that's the part that I want to make sure I, I, I peel back the layer on, which mm-hmm. is that you had a the decision to make of listening to God and doing what he said. Yes. It just so happened to lead you into a coaching position, a teaching position, and eventually a church planter position. It could have just been faithfully living out a mm-hmm. career, coaching and teaching in, in West Lawrence. But I think that I, I think I wanted to, to make sure our audience understood, but could have returned to a, a great wrestling program could have been the head wrestling coach. Everything could have looked right on paper. Stepping into, you know, a family inheritance of a career, living in his hometown, local legend, and that could have all looked great at a resume and from a mm-hmm. comfortability standpoint. Yeah, and that right there, comfortability of that would have been the like on paper comfortable move. But I think, but I, and sometimes you know, some. It's not that we want people to step into jobs or careers or callings that, like, I need to make sure this has got to be uncomfortable, right? Now, it's not necessarily it, but it's, it is, it, God does mm-hmm. sometimes call us to things that aren't going to make sense necessarily yep. on paper with the mortgage, with the bills, <laughs> with the, not that there's not going to be provision he provides, mm-hmm. um, but just, that that's and maybe it doesn't even have to be overly explained that God does provide a peace about things and a sense of calling that His Spirit rests on that mm-hmm. um, that does not always align with with 
it just don't the always, American dream or, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. It just doesn't always make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so all in this year, I start teaching um, and coaching. So very, and that, that was new to me too. So, you know, the challenges of learning a school system, learning how to lead a classroom, like there was a lot of, there was just a lot of things that had to be learned. I had a lot of just growing up to do. And so that first year started teaching, coached three sports, working on my master's, and I married my beautiful wife, Carly. Mm. Um, by, by far uh, the best earthly decision <laughs> I've made. And man, she's just been, she was incredible at that time too. And what I loved about that that year at West Lawrence and living in Dublin is we had to form our own friendship. So we weren't at home. We didn't, like I said, talking about the comfortable route. And God in His uh, in His sovereignty and His goodness, we met a group of people um, there in Dublin in a Sunday school class that, man, we just all clicked. We all got married about the same time. We were all new to, a lot of us had gone off to college and we're just coming back. Most of them were from Dublin. Carly and I weren't, but you talk about being welcomed in. Man, we were just welcomed in. Uh, my Sunday school teacher, Robert Tanner, man, forever grateful. Just one of those guys that God just provides in your life that is a, is an example when you really need one, a shepherd when you need one. And that's what he was for all of us. And man, we, we were just a group of couples that we just did a lot together. We formed really deep friendships. And so um, so I'm attending church and and uh, and talking about, um, you know, wh- where does this go with discipleship? Man, like we opened the Bible in Romans back in college. When I moved to Dublin, no lie, that's what I did. Uh, my father-in-law, Craig, Craig, uh, Mr. Craig, gave me a Warren Wearsby commentary I texted a group of guys that I began to meet and said, hey, I'm cooking chicken wings. Read Romans 1 and come over. And man, again, I didn't I didn't know a ton, but I saw we opened the book of Romans. God did some cool stuff. I said, you know what? I'd like to see that again. I'm going to run this play again. You know what I mean? Like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, let's so go. every week, you know, I'm busy. I've got school and I've got all these things and coaching. But man, I would read that commentary, prepare cook chicken wings or duck or whatever the guys, you know, we brought stuff over and it was just a dude hangout. Mm-hmm. And man, like we would read the Bible together and I would essentially tell them what Warren Wearsby had to say about <laughs> Romans 1. And man, it did the same thing. Like mm. it started small. I could tell you, Adam Hightower, who, you know, came assistant coach, uh, I, I recruited Chuck, wound up moving Chilly to West Dollar. Lawrence. And I could tell you all these folks that that you know, and a lot of them, man, they're coming to the elder retreat. Wow. And so we're we're all just doing it, you know, like like we did in college. We're, we're reading the Bible, we're fellowshipping, and God's doing something really, really hmm. special. So that's two years where I just kind of run the same play. All right. We need to do a whole episode on redefining fellowship to where I'm in, man. With, um, I'm re- getting excited, just rem- like reminiscing. Yeah. Like this is so fun, and even if nobody's listening to this, yeah. like I'm enjoying this <laughs> yeah. podcast. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, that redefining, like when we say fellowship, like there was very real, it was very transparent. Like yeah. it's a it, and it was it was actual ministry because there was an altar call that I gave my life to Christ that. So it's not just like, you know, 
a pu- bunch of people that yeah. you know yeah. on the fringes maybe are Christians, but like deeply at the core of who they are, uh-huh. we're gathering for the sake of Christ, and we're interested in what He might do if we yep. put Him in the middle of this room. Yep. Um, and so, go ahead. You're so- no, man. No, I think that's so good. Of man, just the conversation about fellowship of so many times. We have to fight for that simplicity, and we have to model as leaders. And even as I talk about it, man, like, you know, that was just such a sweet time when there wasn't like we were just coming hoping God God would do something. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know at the time what, what he was doing. It was just amazing. So for two years, man, I led a Bible study. Carly led one on the same night. So we, we do kind of this men's Bible study. Carly led a, a women's Bible study. Same thing, man, deep relationships. Like, we, we just— are doing what we know to do. And so we're, we're there in Dublin, man, form some great relationships. And then I get the call from Tombs and it's like, hey, man, we'd love for you to come be the head coach. And, and man, there was a, a, you know, a position like I could uh, teach U.S. history, man, just the 11th graders, just a really good situation. And looking back, man, like God, if anybody's listening, you're kind of thinking about your next steps and all that. Like I think back and I was like, man, was that flesh or was that spirit? And Mm. obviously like even in our missteps, if it was like God's still working in that too. Mm -hmm. Um, So I accept the position. You know, I wish I could say, man, I prayed and felt the sense that (laughs) I was ready to go get that job and win wrestling matches. So that's, that was the driving force and Carly getting, let's pack up. We're going right. And so, uh, so we move back to lines and we do get back into, you know, comfort and man, really, I had a great time coaching wrestling. Mm-hmm. My first year we had five guys that made the finals, four state champ. I mean, it was an incredible year. Adam Hightower, a guy in that Bible study with me, picked up and moved with me to come coach. Mm-hmm. So I'm coaching with a good friend and man, sports-wise, some of the best memories of my life. Mm. But and not for nothing, a couple of those guys go on to mm-hmm. be adopted, right? And yeah, yeah. So, and so their their lives are changed, absolutely. But man, again, I'm so big on authenticity, and so many times we want to, you know, cover up what's true to to share what's maybe more light or presentable. But man, as all that's going on in my life, I took my foot off the gas in my relationship with God, mm. and so we couldn't get a lot of traction with Bible studies. We kind of fell back into our old church and we were just kind of checking the box and going. So mm. if anything, we we kind of took our foot off the gas missionally. Mm. And So Connection Vidalia is not planted no, at this point? No, okay. no. Connection Vidalia is not a... Billy and I... We taught the uh, here and there the first couple of years, but we we hadn't taught the you know life. You know he's he's off and him and Kate you know she's getting ready for school and I think they were living in Augusta. Yeah, uh, yeah. If, if they're engaged or if they're married at this point, <laughs> that, she's finishing Augusta. That's right. Now you know not to steal Billy's story, but he really while she's there starts a Bible study and mm-hmm. that seeing like wow I can start a. Bible study with a bunch of randoms and God's doing some stuff, maybe I am called to plant a church. So that's sort of the seeds yes, for that. absolutely. Um, and so now you're, so that's that time. He's yeah. maybe two or three years into pastoring here at Statesboro. Things are going gangbusters. Yeah. And, but it's, it's the desert for you and, and tombs. Yeah, absolutely. And physical, like, like I said, as far as 
everything that I would ever want in a job. Like, and I had it. We were winning wrestling. I got to coach U.S. history. And then my last year, they asked me to be assistant principal. And, you know, I'm, that was around the time that I learned a lot, like about leadership and began to study leadership. And not, so, not common for an under 30. Yeah, exactly. So, like, man, I'm getting to do leadership all day and they're still letting me coach. I mean, it's a dream situation. But, man, spiritually, when we took our foot off the gas, we began to struggle. We, our marriage began to struggle. It, for those that are listening, and again, I'm always wanting to talk the base camp of you're just the person listening to the podcast, or maybe you're a pastor. Man, it just does not go well when we retreat from the thing God's called us to do. Mm-hmm. It just never goes well. And so about that time, I get the call from Billy, and he says, hey, man, like I thought I was going to plant in Augusta, but I think God's called me to plant in Vidalia are you in? And I'm like, how quick can you get here? Because I knew, man, I knew like what, one, I was just pumped for me, like mm-hmm. to kind of reconnect with him. But two, like I knew what was about to happen in Vidalia. Like mm-hmm. I just knew, I'm like, man, this is going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And man, from that moment when he came back to plant and we reconnected, it was like, man, all the stuff that I just kind of, you know, been into because I was not really seeking and, and following the Lord. Like, man, we, we, Carly and I brought, brought all that in the open. We put our yes on the table. We got involved, got to see a church go from 14 people in a small core group, and it has changed that community. Oh, man. I think, man, I think they baptized last weekend 14 people. Mm-hmm. One of them was a guy I played baseball with, and like, it's just incredible. Who was that? Uh, M- Mitchell Lowry. I don't remember. He yeah, was, he was older, older man. And, oh, and man, wait, I was I just like, Mitchell. I was like, man, that's just awesome. Like all these guys I went to school with, like God's doing great things in their life. And wow. that's that's just recent. But man, like back then. Did I see a picture of a guy got baptized and turn around and baptize somebody? Did I see that picture? I'm, I'm sure. And <laughs> I mean, it's like, you oh, know, man. what God's doing about A is awesome. Yeah. And getting to be on the bottom floor of that yeah. was really a, a gift. And so... Um, but man, like from there, I just put my yes on the table and, uh, that's when God just really began to do a lot in our life of, we put our yes on the table and, and two of the, the, the kids on my wrestling team, you're talking about, like, we didn't go searching for this, but God just made it really clear. Like, Hey, you need to adopt these two young men, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, Bella, my my oldest daughter, she was one at the time. So like, when you when you give God a blank check, He's gonna write on it, mm. and He uh, He He gave us that, and man, that was one of the most challenging yet the most rewarding, one of the most rewarding experiences of our life of just getting to really partner together and you know, uh, <laughs> just really going into the unknown of doing something that God had called us to do, and then from there, man, Jordan, the best way I could say it is. Um, God just began to make it really clear he had a next step for us. Mm. And man, if we had more time, um, it's just really incredible. Like when God's doing something, he just, he he makes it, he makes it clear. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and, and, you know, obviously we walk by faith, not by sight, but man, he really begins to put those next steps in front of you when you, when you wholeheartedly are like, God, I want to be useful. How did you know though, going from, you know, assistant principal, and coaching and teaching to core team member of a church plant. How? What was some of the co- confirmation yeah. process for saying, okay, I've 
the Lord setting me and Carly apart to go plant. Yeah. So, well, first of all, like I was so pumped about people getting saved. I man, I just got more excited about Sunday than any other day of the week. Mm. Man, I wanted to run, and I clicked the slides. I served kids. Like, man, I just was whatever I needed to be for this thing to move forward because I knew what God was doing. Mm. And so this desire, these desires just begin to grow. And, man, I don't think that's for a pastor. I think that's available for a Christian, mm-hmm. right? So um, – Pastor's it, just a one position <laughs> on the team. That's it, man. We, we just are called to run a, a play in a certain position. That's mm-hmm. it. And so um, – but also with wrestling, I was as excited – to get my kids to church on Sunday is Mm. to see them get their hands raised on Saturday. Mm. And so God's shifting these desires in my heart and there's just a a hunger for God's word. And like, I I remember sitting down with some, some men that were older than me and just saying like, Hey, like I, I wake up in the morning and I study God's word and it is so good that it is hard to close and go to work. Like I, there was a, God just began to put a hunger in my heart for, for his word. And I, I just, I loved it. Mm -hmm. And really the, the moment where I began to understand calling was in, at night when I would go to bed, God would begin to impress on me what I felt like was messages that I was supposed to share with people. And I didn't know, like I said, I've never preached before, but there was this unction to want to tell people the things God was showing me. And so I didn't tell anybody that, like, but but I began to feel these unctions. And man, one of the discipleship meetings with Billy, Billy says, Hey, you know, in typical Billy fashion, July 15th, I'd like for you to preach. Mm. You know, and so it's like, oh my gosh, one petrified, two, golly, like God's already stirring me up toward this. Mm. And so, and I I mean, I'm sure it is recorded somewhere and it is horrible. But, <laughs> you know, I got up on stage and we had a handheld mic. I'll never forget it. And my hand was shaking so bad, I, like I knew the crowd could see it. Mm. And I'm like, this is not good. And so I try and start the message. And two minutes in, I said, guys, let's just pray. And I prayed. And man, from there, it was like God just, mm. it went forward. And when the message was done, like I, I knew I'd been faithful to say what God wanted me to say. And I didn't want to accept it then, but then I knew, mm. like, I'm supposed to do this. Mm. And I didn't want to know that because, man, I was in a dream situation. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, and I was going to work for 30 years, build a little house on our family farm, and kill a ton of big deer mm-hmm. and win a lot of wrestling matches as yes, a coach. Sir. So, really, over the course of that year, um, me and God just wrestled in the morning and, mm. and he always wins. Always. Um, but man, like I could tell you story after story of, you know, my, my uncle passing away. And really the second time I ever spoke was at his funeral. And in the midst of a, a tragedy, you know, God was still cultivating this thing. And I began to learn, like, man, God's good in all things. And the gospel is powerful. Mm. I think those two things and, I think I learned from that that, Lord, if you're calling me to preach and calling me to share the gospel, I now know it can change anyone's life. So you just put me where you want me, mm-hmm. and I'll be faithful to share it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then, of course, uh, my, my last year coaching wrestling as a coach, I had the worst state tournament ever. And <laughs> I was like, God, if this is it, I didn't want to go out this way. Mm-hmm. And 
it was really through that wrestling that uh, wrestling with God, I guess pun, pun intended, but mm. that God made it clear, like I'm doing something mm. and I want you to follow me and trust me. Mm. And when Dublin came up, you know, when we were really in the planting campuses, people were graduating from Southern, moving to Dublin and beginning to reach out to the church and say like, hey, there's nothing like connection here. Would you guys consider planting? Mm -hmm. And so you begin to connect these dots of like, that's why I was in Dublin. Mm -hmm. That's why God had me there. Mm. And Brandon, he and I met, we began to talk. We took two weeks to pray. I took some a few weeks to pray. He took a few weeks to pray. And God just made it clear to everyone, like, he's wanting to do something. Mm. And uh, when I figured that out, I turned in my resignation and I was ready to go. And wow. uh, really the rest is history. Man, it's just so good. I, all right, I want to, I want to, I, I think you'll, I, I want to change gears just a little bit. Um, now, there's a lot of things that, you can focus on in ministry. There's a lot of things that you can do as a pastor. There's, there's enough work in being a pastor that you can hang your hat on any number of things. You've chosen to hang your hat on multiplication. Yes. Why? I think, man, uh, such a loaded question, but it's so fun too. The gospel, Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And early on, all I knew was to preach the word, share the gospel. Mm. And that's really, I mean, it's powerful. But man, like when I began to, and, and to just growing as a pastor through sufferings and just growing in the natural things of, of ministry and being sanctified, um, there's a turning point where you begin to realize that your focus changes of Lord, pour into me, build me so that I can share the gospel. And and then I really got into studying Acts. And, you know, I think about Acts one, Acts 6. I was reading this with a guy this morning. I think there's this shift that we realize in Jesus' ministry that our prayer isn't so much, Lord, build me so I can impact the world, but Lord, build into me so that I can build into other men. Mm. And... I think that is the turning point. When you really look at Jesus's ministry, it it just caught me so off guard to understand that he wanted to build people mm -hmm. and he wanted to train and equip people that would carry on a work far after he was gone. And man, really the, the master plan of evangelism by Robert Coleman was such a impactful book that when I got done, I wanted the legacy of the ministry to go far beyond anything while I'm here. Mm. And really the only thing we can take with us to heaven is people. Mm. And the legacy we leave behind is who are the people that man we we poured into, that we discipled and and left behind a gospel legacy. I think that multiplication makes ministry, pastoring, uh Christianity, it it turns it from a, a specific set of tasks or a strategy, mm -hmm. and it makes it about yeah. people. Yes. Um, because when we've talked about, when I tried to define multiplication, the, the primary analogy is just spiritual parenthood. It's, it's living your life in such a way that you 
produce spiritual children of the faith. Yes. And we know this, and and our listeners are going to know this, that you parent each kid differently. Yes. But, like, so when I think about, like, wrestling or I think about being a principal, like, you could have carried the, like, you know the playbook that it takes to be a successful wrestling coach. You know the playbook that it takes to be a principal. But what makes you a good wrestler is not knowing I've got five moves Mm -hmm. and I got to figure out which of these five moves is going to work. You have to wrestle the person Mm -hmm. to be a successful wrestler. Yep. Um, You have to, for, for being a successful leader, you have to know how to lead the person, not just, you know, run a set leadership play. Yep. But in pastoring, the same danger exists. You could, I have these sets of tasks. I need to start a prayer ministry. I need to preach some sermons uh, I need to hire the right people, and on and on and on. Right. What What I think makes the Connection Network so powerful is we are dedicated to multiplication. Absolutely. It's about people. It's about seeing people get saved. It's about seeing people grow up in the faith, and mm-hmm. it's about prioritizing sending people. Absolutely. And I tell people all the time, like, talking about this, <laughs> just what you said, Connection Church Dublin started in a corner booth at Chick-fil-A. That's where it started. And man, like people ask, like, what do you do in year zero of a church plant? A lot. You yeah. <laughs> yeah, so true. Uh, I do want to share this is the pitch for have a sending church and a network because man, without that, I don't know how successful we would be to take care of a lot of the all the things. I mean, you know, you know what goes into a church plant. But what it allowed me to do is to get up early, pray pray to God, drive over to Dublin, and pour into just as many men that would meet with me at Chick-fil-A. And, um, man, there's so many good um, – I was thinking about those early meetings, A.J. Wright, Thomas Bell, who's leading worship at uh, Christ Chapel Zebulon. I mean, there's just so many stories of, man, building in the people. It's just – it's just how it needs to be done. Just from all the church planners that I've had a chance to get to know over the years, if you could write a book of year zero stories. Oh, my gosh. It'd be, I mean, and just to see the the faithfulness in those early days of the unmonitored tasks, mm-hmm. that's where some good leaders are born. Gosh, yeah, man, that, that right there, what you just said, needs to be, like, heard. And that, you know, it, it's not so... A lot of times the best things are formed organically. And I think that's what I love about church planning and our conversation. Every person, every situation is different. And just something powerful happens when you have a heart to demonstrate the gospel, declare it, and teach someone how to read the Bible and hear from God. And something special happens. And, you know, it is the most rewarding way to live our lives. I'm convinced. Mm. So you uh, so you start kicking up some dust in in Dublin. Um, you've dedicated yourself to the work of of multiplication. Um, uh, why church planting? I think it's the most effective way to reach our context for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that. And and I was just it's funny thinking about this and God's got a lot of places on my heart specifically that I know the the way in which we do church like does not exist and the reason why church planning I know is so powerful is 
it's it's just the means of getting the gospel to the people that need to be saved. Mm. And at the end of the day, it's that simple. And there's a you know there's a million ways to skin the cat, and you just ask yourself the question: What's the best way to do it? And I'm convinced in our context, church planning is the way to go. And uh, I, I'm I'm convinced of that. Uh, Clint used to always say that planting a church is like opening another window into heaven. Ah. And I think about mm. um, the the guy that we support in Turkey. 22 years mm-hmm. in just there, and mm-hmm. before that, South Africa, before that, Romania. And over the course of 22 years, has led over 300 people to Christ in an unreached Amen. people group. Yeah. He's 66. He's got Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. And the his time to go to be with the Lord is near. And there is not a church planted. And one of my biggest fears yeah. is that 22 years of ministry fruitfulness mm-hmm. is not going to outlive him. Mm-hmm. Yep. But that window to heaven would. And that's no criticism of him. That's uh, just, I understand. That's yeah. just the, the reality of in 1920 in, in Turkey, 40% of the country were Christians. Yeah. 40%. Yeah, that that like, you know, they'd be old, but there's still people alive. That's right. Then. And in one lifetime, that country is now ninety nine point one or two percent unreached. And, and I think and, and 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 no and and no thought as to who Jesus is or why he had to die. Like it's not it's mm-hmm. not information that they could find if they had to. A church plant is a sustaining witness to a community of people yes. um, through the lives of people. Um, and, and again, just to make sure I'm clear for our folks here at Connection, that in, in an unreached pl- people like that, you need an extremely long runway and you need a lot of God's grace because sometimes a church is planted and people begin to gather and that is the surest way for that missionary to get kicked out of wherever they are. So it's no criticism. It's just an observation about Mm -hmm. why does church planting matter and why should we capitalize on this moment that we have in the United States? Why should we capitalize on this right now in the state of Georgia that this opportunity is not always going to be here? This opportunity for a chance to plant churches freely Mm. um, to reach people that – I, I've, I'm, I'm convinced of this. One of the things that gave me peace to move back from Washington, D.C. to here is that this is labeled the Bible Belt, but this is as unreached of a place as there yeah. is anywhere. And I just think we're ahead of the curve yeah. because it's coming. Man, I could, golly, yeah, I could share just so much in my own life of, you know, why that gives merit of, you know, why, why God wanted to, you know, kind of take us into this journey of, of church planning. I think about... Judges 2.10 of, man, like, we're only a couple of generations away from being Turkey. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and that can happen. And so it's like, man, to have solid and, – and we know, man, when you get into the world of missions and church planning, like, mobilizing people for the mission, like, that's, that's what churches are intended to do. And we know there's a lot that have – in our part of the world that have lost sight of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know the challenges we faced and why it is unreached and – and and all those sorts of things, but man, like it, 
I just agree with what you're saying mm. of for this time and place, what we're doing matters a ton. Mm. And it is a conversation worth having. It is a conversation of people leveraging their life. And at the end of the day, um, you know, we need to be establishing solid home bases to send people where God sends them. But that's what a church is. It is a structural home base. And and what I've learned of of planting a church and really year three asking the question, like God, like we're not a church plant anymore. We're a church. How I've learned that God really knows what he's doing mm. when it comes to building a church. Mm. Like he knows what he's doing. He tells you in scripture how to do it. And man, like I've seen more uh, of his blessing, his grace on our work as we've tried to do it more and more like he wants it done. Mm. And that's it. Like he wants to plant churches. You know, we don't have to invent these really new ideas. You know, when we really look at, man, and and Holly, this is another podcast another day, but Ephesians 4 really answered for me the questions of like, all right, God, like I've I felt like like I've been faithful, like we've stuck the flag in the ground of we're a church plant that's gonna make it. Now, what does it look like for us to be a healthy church? that is making an impact in the community. And now, like I said, we're in year six, we're getting ready to reproduce. And mm. so all of that, like it wasn't some great idea I had. I've tried to just do it how God says to do it mm. in the Bible. And it just seems like when you do that, God, God tends to just show up and like, yeah, man, I'd, I'd love that. What are some places that you point to that you see clearly in Scripture of God's heart to plant new churches? Man, um, Callie, well, just the, the, the book of Acts, I mean, obviously of this this movement, people are faithful wherever God sends them. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, too, you know, if he, again, I just go back to Ephesians 4 of the purpose of church leaders, whatever your leadership gift is, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Mm. And somewhere we lost it that every ligament in the body is joined together and is designed to work. Mm. Somewhere we've lost that of really the churches that are going to move in power in the next 100 years that recapture the the the, the priesthood of all believers. This like we're we're all doing this together. You know, we're not cheering on superstars like we're all playing a part in this body and this body is intended to move outward Mm -hmm. to reach people. And I think when the church recaptures that in our context, that that's where we're going to see a lot of power and a lot of God doing his thing. Cause I fully believe there are church planners in all of our churches. Mm -hmm. I I believe that. And Mm -hmm. I pray for that, Mm -hmm. you know, a prayer for a solid year. I prayed it and need to just get back to it is, you know, Matthew 9, 35 through 38, you know, it's one of my favorite passages when Jesus, it, it, the way he describes it, it's like Jesus is ministering, he's healing people, he's doing all he can, mm-hmm. right? And so he's, for three years, he's confined to an earthly body and he's doing all he can. But then when his disciples, when he looks at the crowd and it says that he had compassion on them because they were harassed like sheep without a shepherd. So when he looked at unreached people, mm. he, would, he had compassion, and he looked to his disciples and said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send out workers. For the harvest out there is plentiful, but the workers are few. That was our, that was our Savior's heart. That's the way he looked at communities that you know need a new gospel church. Mm-hmm. And man, that's our prayer and posture. And to me, like 
that just makes sense to pray and structure your church in a way that you want to be part of raising up workers to go. Amen. Share with some of our folks. Um, so I, I primarily have built this podcast to to be a source of vision and, and an encouragement to my current Connect Group leaders. Uh, tell us a little bit about how, tell us how big is Connection Dublin, how many yeah. Connect Groups you have, maybe the journey of Connect Groups at Connection Dublin, um, and we'll go from there. Well, first of all, it is a, yeah, it is an interesting story. And first of all, man, I'm honored Connect group leaders that are listening in the Statesboro, man, you guys are the front lines of this mm-hmm. thing. You are, I cannot champion you enough that you're you're where it's happening. It's mm-hmm. going down in your living rooms and your meeting places. And so if I could just fan into flame the, the what God has put in you, if I could physically do it through this mic, I would. <laughs> and that man, like what you do matters more than you think. Mm-hmm. So I want to say that to you first. Now going back to Dublin. Um, God has humbled me since I've been there. There have been times in Dublin that, uh, you you know, when you plant a church, like you're going and obviously scripture's clear, you're going to preach the word, you're going to preach the gospel. But every community, uh, a church has a a unique fit to that community. The thing we brought to Dublin that was not there was authentic gospel community. Mm -hmm. Like it, no, and, and there are incredible churches in Dublin, but I think, there weren't a lot of churches that were doing that super well yet. And now a lot of people are really pushing that ball forward. But for us, uh, community is is just what, what I feel like Dublin needed. And so, man, there have been seasons in our church, we had more people in connect groups than were coming on Sundays. So uh, again, like, man, talk about humble pie. I was like, I got to preach better, man. <laughs> yeah, We've got people, uh, you know, so many people in groups, but also... That just created a, a really unique dynamic, and it's also an encouragement to our Connect Group leaders of, man, they just heard this mission, and they wanted to go be a part of it. So, uh, yeah, so we started out, I mean, I think year one, you know, 80, 80, 100 people, about that many. I think we had 80 in groups, something like that. Um, but man, groups have been the driver for mm-hmm. us and it's just different. And again, like, I don't think it's going to be done like that. It's not done like that in a lot of places, but for us, I had to learn really quick that you just need to embrace like the uniqueness God's called your church to be. Mm-hmm. And so, man, we leveraged everything on groups. Um, and a lot of it was out of, this is how people are being reached anyway, Let's just let's put a lot of energy into this, and man, it's created a, a really neat culture. And again, like I've just had to be okay with that as a pastor. And obviously, I'm better than okay. It, it creates a lot of health mm-hmm. that everything is not living and dying on what goes on on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That a lot of these relationships are are really building a strong core of a of a church. So. Um, so, yeah, so we really, um, you know, kind of had eight groups for a while, kind of stayed there for a long time. And really after COVID, we really began to figure out what do you do with a good group that's now 15, 20, 25 people? We had a lot of that. And so this conversation about multiplication is such a good one to have because it because it is the hardest part of small group ministry. Without a doubt is how to multiply well a good small group. Um and so, man, I've tried, like, troubleshooted a lot of stuff. I know we've talked on the phone about mm-hmm. just some things. Like, I've tried to 
figure that out. But man, like God really helped us with that. And we've just seen a, a lot of good growth. So we just, we're, we're planting CC Wilco, shout out to Stanley and Don Lane, man, just the cheering best. them on, man, awesome people. Uh, so we lost a couple groups that are going with them, um, which is which is great. That's sending. Praise God. Um, but we finished the year with 29 groups. And man, to all of my small group leaders that may listen to the podcast, again, man, I'm just super grateful for mm-hmm. you. And man, that's just a testament to your willingness to put your yes on the table. And mm-hmm. man, like a lot of our conversions, a lot of things we've seen, it's happening there. And mm-hmm. so, man, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just a big believer in small group ministry. I think for our people in the Connection Church Statesboro, I, I could show you the facts and figures of attendance and that a, a, that amount of people to, to what degree they're also in small groups that we've tracked since 2015 and really before. But that's when you can kind of see as Connection Vidalia, Connection Dublin, Connection Millen, Connection mm-hmm. Savannah, um, as these different church plants begin to form, how many people are in attendance, being baptized, mm-hmm. and are in a in a group? And right now, we're at an interesting point where we had so much turnover of attendance between COVID mm-hmm. and now um, that the there's uh, you know limitless goodwill towards groups. Um, but not as much participation. Like we have about twelve to fifteen hundred people that come in attendance, but about three hundred and twenty mm-hmm. people that are actually in small groups. Yeah, um, and some of it is just lack of of options, really. Mm-hmm. You know, a lack of amount of people that that can be in groups. And so we're beginning to see a lot of people take next steps so to exciting. step forward to lead small groups in August, right? As of now, we've got four that are ready yeah. to launch um, and really want to see God begin to move in an even greater way. But I but I do think that what's happened in the transition of us going from a church plant to a church is that the prerequisites for what is a small group leader yes. somehow mutated from, do you love Jesus? Are you actually a follower of Christ? Yep. Can you explain the gospel to me in a simple way? And do you like people? Yeah. And do you love people? Uh, even if you don't like them, can you love them for <laughs> the sake of Jesus? Can you love them Jesus? for about an hour and a half? <laughs> um, and uh, I, I feel like that mood is beginning to return in the, in the life of our people. And so um, that's the beauty of a church plant, though, is that that, can, mm-hmm. that, that love and, and temperament can remain. And so I, I, I'm 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 hopeful, and this this is what I think keeps it ongoing mm-hmm. is the planting of new churches. Mm-hmm. So I think there's no there's I'm 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 not a prophet. I'm just I'm a betting man that with Stanley and Dawn going out to plant, yeah, God just has special blessings for people who send. Yes, and that the in your connect group in your connect group leaders' lives and connect group ministry and just the life of of Connection Church Dublin, I think it's gonna be special. That's cool. And man, I'll just I'll just affirm that. You know, I really just sense like we're on the precipice, I think I said that right, of some really special things as a network. Like I kind of feel that it's about to start rolling down the hill kind of mm-hmm. thought, you know, of when you really step into things you already know God's it's on their heart. Mm. 
you know, it's exciting as a network. But I also want to speak the one thing too to small group leaders of hearing that of man, regardless of how it's done. And one of the things I like about multiplication is growth can happen really quickly. So for the current small group leaders, if you're like, man, well, you know, this percentage of our church, some of it's in groups, I'm not, man, pick, pick where you want to be missional. And for some of small group leaders that are listening, Sundays may be the place where you need to be missional mm-hmm. of who, who is like someone I could connect with and like, hey, throw an invite out there. I'm on AJ Wright, man, the most, I've learned a lot, the most missional person I've ever met. And when I say fearless of throwing an invite out there, and I've seen a lot of people come to know the Lord through an invite, mm-hmm. a pile. And man, like some of it, like discipleship is formation and all those kinds of things, but it starts with an invite somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so I want to encourage you, man. And if and if missional is not your Sundays, be missional where you are, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of, man, I just want to encourage connect group leaders as you pour that DNA into your people, that can all change really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just want that to be a, a source of encouragement of like, dude, that's... That, that's not some. That's opportunity, is mm-hmm. what it is. It's opportunity, and and man, like you're talking about things shifting, it can happen super quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's what's fun, and and to the one group that man, when when you kind of catch that fire, that fire can multiply through your one group, and man, like I've seen it. Like it ain't like you got to get one group can do a lot of damage for the mm-hmm. kingdom. A pile. And um, so, anyway, just felt led. Well, to that was going to be my, my last question to kind of send us off with is if you were going to give any advice to a connect group leader um, in kind of an unfiltered way, what would that advice be? But it, it's don't underestimate the the power of of an invite. Man, I love I love that God's called me to to pastor, and I'm thankful. But dude, I love coaching too. Just so mm. if I could put my coach hat on for me to really put the energy needed into groups in my head. And I want to share the same thing with you. I saw a new group planted almost as the weight of a church plant mm. of it was that much of a win mm. of when I put on my big board and, and some people are goal oriented. Some aren't, I'm a, like I said, and, and I'm, I'm wired to have a goal to go after. Mm-hmm. And the, the key for me has been, walking in step with the Lord to get to that goal and not running ahead of Him. But for me, when I put the goals for groups of how many we want to plant that year, I see that as the weight of almost like planting a church. Mm-hmm. And man, like for small group leaders, if you can catch a wind board in your relationship with God and in your spiritual leadership as connect groups planted, grown, and multiplied, if you can put a big board up, know the weight of that, that's how I look at your group mm-hmm. is it has that kind of capacity and really in the the, the purest sense of the world in the of the the purest sense of coming from the Word of God, like what's going on in your living room is the church. Mm-hmm. And so the more of that that happens, the more people are going to meet Jesus, the more God's going to get glory. Mm. And the more we're going to see kingdom impact. Mm-hmm. So that would be my thing of if I could just motivate, man, like th- like that's that's what I would say to group leaders of maybe you're like me. And even this conversation going backwards gives me a fresh fire 
to like walk out of here. I'm going to love on our elders and all the elders here, but I'm ready to get back to Dublin and plant more groups. Mm. So, man, like what you're doing matters. And yeah. this mission is worth leveraging our life for. It's not complicated. No. If, if we just loving people, making ourselves available to to model our relationship with Jesus, um, to to invest in people, to to speak a, a kind word, a loving word, an encouraging word, to yeah, it 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 it's not complicated. We can yes. do it. And our our leaders can do it. And there's people in your small groups that can do it. There's people that aren't saved that God can use you to reach, and then they can do it. Mm-hmm. And um, there's there's more there's more to be had. Um, so let's go hang out with these elders. What you think? Absolutely, man. And let me just encourage you of man. Thank you for um, man. Who know how what God was going to do with your yes on the table? And thinking back from that day to now of just God had a plan of when you were in DC and man, all you bring to us and just the the wisdom you have, the gift set you have, but also the experience you have. None of us have that. Mm-hmm. And so man, like what you're doing for this network is amazing. And more mm-hmm. than that, man, you're just a good buddy too. Yeah. That makes you. it fun to do it with. And so man, for all the listeners that are in Statesboro, like God has really given you a gift uh, and a leader um, of your small group. So, um, I just wanted to give you that, and man, you, like man. I'm super thankful that you would have me on the Equip uh, podcast. Love it, and um, uh, yeah, man, I know God's going to use it in a big way. Thank you. Yeah, y'all go check out the Authentic Disciple the, the Authentic Disciple podcast with Buck, and um, y'all um, go in and and give him five stars, like whatever the things are, um, but support his work there. And also with Connection Church Dublin, tune in and listen to to his messages are always in, incredible. And, and really, um, I love all the work that you're doing there. Looking forward to seeing what happens in the days ahead. But thanks for this time and um, would love for you guys to uh, to continue to tune into these conversations. Give us some feedback of what more you'd like to hear. Um, definitely planning to have more of our church planners on the podcast for these equipped conversations. Um, but grateful for you guys as our small group leaders, grateful for our audience, and uh, really believing that the best is yet to come. And we'll see you next time. Amen.